we continue our reflections on the resurrection, reading today from Romans chapter 5, and we're reading in the message, the first five or six verses, Romans 5, 1 to 6. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience with us and how patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Christ arrives right in time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. Verse 5 says, Hope does not disappoint because the Holy Spirit has been poured out into our lives. And we, we're reflecting essentially this morning on the essence of hope and the resurrection in the midst of our troubles. And we start by going back to Acts chapter 20, where there's a fascinating passage where Paul has left Greece and he's come to Troas, which is on the coast of Asia Minor, current-day Turkey. And he's in consultation with the disciples. He's been there about a week and he's setting to leave in the morning. And they have set up for communion. And Paul begins to speak to them in the evening and we get to the stage in verse 9 and 10, Acts chapter 20, where Paul continues a wee bit in terms of his preaching. Um, none of you have ever experienced that, but it's getting on for past midnight, the passage tells us. So we don't know what time they started, but clearly Paul is on a roll. And there's a young man and it says that he was sitting in the window, on the windowsill, in the open window, the lights were on, and he falls asleep. But I mean sound asleep. And he falls out of the window, and we are told it's a third-story window. They were in the top room. And by the time they get out onto the street, they see him there, this young man who's probably, when the, the Greek word used probably means he was around about middle teenage years. He's dead. And Paul comes downstairs and stretches himself on him and, and clings to him, in a sense, gives him a, a bear hug. And then they continue the meeting because this young man is brought back to life. He is resurrected from the dead. He is, he is stone dead and he comes back to life. And it's almost as if they continue, they go upstairs, they have communion, Paul uh, uh, speaks until dawn and then he departs and takes leave and they go off in one direction and the rest go off in another direction with this young man celebrating. It's almost as if 
they anticipated this um, sense of resurrection as part of the norm of life. We have got to the stage where it would be an extraordinary event. Now, in the Old Testament, you've got Elijah and the widow whose, whose son dies and he stretches himself out on her, on her son and the son comes back to life. A similar incident with Elisha. We've got in uh, Matthew five, uh, Mark 5, beg your pardon, um, the situation with Jairus' daughter who dies and Jesus comes and, and raises her up. And we know John 11, the whole thing of, of Lazarus. In Acts chapter 9, there's Dorcas. There's this almost gentle weaving of resurrection life coming through that uh, should sort of stimulate and provoke us. And Jesus says in John 14, because I live, you too will live. Now he says that obviously clearly before he's resurrected, before he's died. But the, the essence of it is because the, the fact that Jesus lives means that we too also live, that his resurrection life is in us. And we need to again and again and again affirm to ourselves the fact that resurrection is a reality. Not only the resurrection of Jesus, but our own personal resurrection, the fact that we live in the fullness of who Jesus is now. The same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That resurrection life is pulsating through our very being. And in a sense, there are two kinds of resurrection, or two facets, if you like, to, to, to resurrection. There is the resurrection from being dead in our sins and being raised to new life in Christ. We, we, we physically haven't changed. We didn't die and then be born again in that sense, but we have been born into a new life. We have, we have died, been buried with Christ in baptism and resurrected to new life. And in that sense, we are resurrected to new life right now in this moment. And then we repeat that process because there is a constant dying and rising again in our lives. So it's again and again and again and again. We, we go through the threshold of death and come out on the other side of resurrection. But we look forward to the fact that one of these days, the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrection are going to be one. And we are going to be raised to new life in total. Death no longer will have a place. And in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, from verse 20 to 23, Paul tells us that the resurrection of Jesus is just almost like a down payment. Um, a sense that um, it will be a certainty for you and I as followers of Jesus. And in Christ, he says, all shall be made alive. Jesus first, then us. That's it. Resurrection is about the future, about moving past death, through death, and into a new and full life. So, so that death is not the end. Death is, is really simply the doorway into a new beginning. And we've said this before, but I say it again today, that it's not so much the past that shapes us. Yes, it does shape us, but it's not so much the past that shapes us as our future, of what we're looking forward to, of what we hope for, of what we long for into the future. Um, it's that eager expectation that we read of when we read in the message uh, in Romans uh, 5. And we can simply say, 
no future, no hope. No hope, no future. There's a sense for us that um, we have light that is coming down the tunnel. Paul, further on in Romans 5, in verse 11, he says this, also in the message, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. And what Paul is really saying to the Roman church is, we have been made alive in him, and we need to live in the reality of that resurrection life. That's what helps keep us moving forward. That's what keeps us persevering and keeping on keeping on. That's what keeps us driving forward to grow in grace and in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in a sense like um, people who participate in, in, in active sport. You train hard. You go through all the difficulty of going through the moves, of practicing this, of, of getting fit, because you have a goal in mind. There is something beyond the actual um, moment that you are looking forward to, that you anticipate. And so you move forward through all the difficulty, through all the hardship of training, to that moment where you will receive the prize. And so um, we, we understand it's not always easy. There are, there are the push-ups of life that we have to do in order to get fit. Um, Scott Peck, in his book, The Road Less Traveled, begins with these three words. This is the start of the book. Life is difficult. And we've said before that in uh, so many first peoples in the Americas, the initiation rites begin with the, the affirmation that life is hard. We don't need people to keep telling us that. Um, we, we, we have our um, media telling us the entire time, if only, if only we had this or that, our life would be better. If only we had more of this or more of that. We live in the hope that things will be changed, that they will be better, that they will be different. And as Christians, we know what that looks like. We know that resurrection, real, full, abundant life is what's uh, in front of us. And it keeps us moving forward and keeps us growing. Now, I'd like to go back to this whole thing of resurrection and Jesus and, and look at a passage, just one verse or maybe two, from John 7 in the, the NIV. It says this, uh, Jesus is teaching in Jerusalem at the feast and he says, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. And it's this whole thing of choosing to do God's will. It's this, the sense that uh, Jesus is saying, my teaching isn't mine, it comes from someone else, it comes from my Father, it comes from Him who sent me. And if you choose to do that will, you'll discover whether that's true or not. And what he's holding out to the disciples, which is a fascinating thing, he's holding out and he's saying to them, choose to do God's will. Experiment a little bit and you will find out that it's true. You can't prove faith. You can't prove resurrection. You can't prove all these things that we speak about. That's what the essence of faith really means, is that you begin to do something as if it's real, as if it's true, 
and you find out as you go along that in fact it actually is. And so as his disciples, as his followers, what Jesus is saying to them is decide to obey, decide to do God's will, decide to do the things that I've been teaching and you will find out that it is actually the Father's purpose. Luke 6 talks about um, love your, your neighbors, love your enemies, um, be merciful as God is merciful, uh, forgive and you will be forgiven, give and it will be given to you. What he's saying over and over through the uh, Matthew, uh, Luke 6 and the Matthew 6 Sermon on the Mount is start to do these things and you will discover that that's how life is framed. It'll, it'll prove to you that it's real. And in essence, when it comes to the resur resurrection, we need to live as if the resurrection is true. Not that it's just this vague hope of the future that something might happen that is good, but that it's the reality of life. This is God's will for you to live in the fullness of resurrected life, Jesus' life. And it brings us back to a passage we've looked at in the past in, in Colossians. Paul writes, and this is from the New American, and I'll read it in the message. If then you have been raised up with Christ. So he's saying if. You know, we're assuming this. This is the baseline for us, that you've been raised up with Christ. If you have been raised up with Christ, set your heart on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. Paul writes to the Colossian church and he says, if this is the reality, if resurrection life is really the true thing that we are enveloped in as Christians, then set your heart on the things above, all your affection, your motivation. Set your mind on the things that are above. It's this repetitive thing that he says to them. Act as if it's true. And the message gets this and grips it really well. We've read this so many times. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Now why do I stress that again today? Well, for this reason. It's this act like it. Set your heart and your mind on things above. Act like it. Act like it's actually happened. Choose to do God's will. Choose to live as if the, the death is meaningless. Death is won. It's conquered. Live with that sense of hope in the future that you know with a clarity and certainty that a, a, a new doorway has been opened up. It's a new portal. It's, 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 we, we cross over the frame into this life of, 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 of energy and fullness where, where God's grace gets shoved down on us. We are baptized, immersed in the fullness of God's Spirit. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm getting carried away. But this whole thing is act like it. Act as if. And we persevere. We keep on keeping on. Because um, in Romans, it, it, it talks about that. Uh, Romans 5, the first few lines, talks about us entering into this life of faith. Faith is actually believing um, what we cannot see. It's acting as if it were true. And as if doesn't mean it's not. It Paul is saying to the Corinthians is, if the resurrection life is true, and it is, then you have to make your life shape in a certain way.
So the conclusion for me is this. Resurrection is not primarily a comfort. It's not just saying, oh, one day we'll be okay. It's a challenge. Resurrection life is a challenge. It's a challenge to live fully now, to get up and understand that our future is already decided, it's already settled, and we can live with a certain kind of energy and fullness. And so I just want to conclude this particular thing today by reading again from the message. By entering through faith into what God has already wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall, shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we hemmed in with troubles, because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience within us, and how patience in turn forges that tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy, expectancy such as this, we never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. Hope does not disappoint because of the Holy Spirit poured into our lives. And he says in verse 11, and I repeat, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of this resurrection life.